Every one of us need someone to support us, to advise us, to comfort them in time of need. But it's hard to find that type of person in the world we live in today. The interesting thing to me is that God has designed every human being to be in relationship, to never be alone. Not necessarily alone as in uh, with just people, but meaning alone knowing that God is always to be with us. That we are created in a way for God to know us and to live in us. And that's why we've been having this series called The Holy Spirit. Let me say welcome today to week two, and I'm so glad that you've joined us. I pray that you'll take a moment maybe to like us on Facebook or to throw a watch party or or throw a reaction onto our live Facebook feed and just let people know that you're involved, that you're connected, that you belong with us today in today's service and a part of our congregation. This has been an incredible series for us, and I want to encourage you to maybe grab some message notes. And the way that we do that is we go to fcc-online.org forward slash Sunday, and there you can connect with us, get to know us a bit, turn in a prayer request, or follow along with the message. But today we want to talk about why do we have the Holy Spirit. Now, when we began this discussion, we began to talk about a lot of different things about the Holy Spirit. And when we began to refer what the Holy Spirit is, we simply said that the Holy Spirit is the power to engage with God in this life. You know, we began to describe last week, if you did not get to see last week's message from Eric, it was outstanding. And I want to encourage you to go there and kind of catch back up on a little, give a little bit of an understanding and a theological background about who the Holy Spirit is. Because many of us, whether we grew up in church or not, have some understandings about the Holy Spirit that we've never quite resolved, never quite completely understood. But God has intended for us to know and to understand and to experience the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit is not some warm fuzzy or some just simple emotion or when the pastor gets fired up and excited, it's a way that we feel. But it's a person of God working in us and through us. The very power of God transforming us from the inside out. And this should be good news to us, because in difficult times like these, when things are out of our hands, when things are not under our control, and we are in a scenario where we must surrender and submit and live differently than what we would want to in our freedom, it's good to know that this is not out of our own might or own strength, but that God has created us to receive his spirit, to live by his power, so that we might have his understanding through his conviction and through his comfort. So let's unpack today, can we? Let's unpack the why that we have the Holy Spirit. Why do we have the Holy Spirit? Now I want you to turn your Bibles, if you will, if you've got them, to John chapter 15. And John chapter 15 is written by a man who is actually called John the Beloved, a very close friend with Jesus. And so he's writing this in a context where the followers of Jesus are starting to feel struggle, hardship, things are not going their way. And Jesus is trying to comfort them and to let them know that his presence, both physically and even spiritually will eventually be a part of their lives forever. And that he's sending one to be a part of their journey and their struggle, even after he's gone. Here's what he says, starting in John chapter 15, verse 26. It says this, When the advocate comes, that's he's referring to the Holy Spirit there, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you, 
from the Father, the Spirit of truth who gives, who, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, meaning Jesus. And you must all, you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus uses this term advocate to kind of give an understanding of the role that the Holy Spirit will play. This is who he is going to be. An advocate is one of these terms that we hear when we're thinking about legal terms, someone to fight on our defense, someone to prepare for us. But it, this idea of advocate isn't the only real nickname or, or, or phrase that the Holy Spirit goes by. Oftentimes you hear this word, while it's translated advocate here, it's also translated as counselor and comforter. So when we think of it as advocate, we need to think of, we need to think of it as God, uh, someone going before God on our behalf. Or when we think about the Holy Spirit as counselor, it's because we need to understand that God has counseled us, guided us, advised us on the life that we should live towards this truth. And comforter, because we have peace in our lives through God by the power of the Spirit when we obey God. That's what the Holy Spirit begins to do. And so Jesus is trying to teach his closest followers that in the midst of hardship in their life right then, that God has already had a plan and has prepared that when Jesus was to leave, the advocate, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit would be their advocate. And they were to testify just as God is now testifying on behalf of Jesus through the power of the Spirit, the Spirit of God's truth, our lives should also testify about the truth of God in us. See, God is trying to bring peace into our lives. Like in a courtroom, to bring peace where we could stand and be a witness. The word testify gives the idea that someone brings the Bible, we put our hands on it, right? I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me, God. And it's a statement as Christ followers that we're saying our life should speak or testify to the truth that God is in us, God is working through us by his power to convict and to transform us as obedient before God himself. So let's unpack this question. Let me give you three reasons why we are given the Holy Spirit. First and foremost, we are given the Holy Spirit to convict us. Here's what it says in John chapter 16, just following a few verses later, it says, but, verily I, but, very, but very I, truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong. About what? What does God's truth prove about our world? About sin and righteousness and judgment. Then he explains this. About sin. Because people do not believe in me. About righteousness. Because I am going to the Father where you can no longer see me. And about judgment. Because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And Jesus takes this deep breath and he says this. I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. 
He will speak only what he hears, meaning from the Father, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus is very direct here, and he's speaking about the Holy Spirit's power to convict. No one wants to be wrong. No one likes recognizing when they're heading the wrong direction. But God says, this is what's, this is what's happening here. The Holy Spirit is to come to help us recognize that there's a way that leads to death in our life. He wants to say that sin, sin is what has separated us from God. And through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we can now be reconciled back to God. He wants to say that in righteousness, a right relationship before God is only made possible through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And he's reminding them that each of us one day will stand before God and give an account for our life. Now, some of us are hearing this and we're nodding our head going, that's, that's true, that's why we gave our life to Christ. Some of us hearing the words about sin and righteousness and even understanding that each of us will stand before God one day, knowing that the enemy of God has already been condemned, already been defeated, speaks deep, deeper into our soul than what we're probably comfortable with. But this is what we call conviction. This is where the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives and help us recognize that God is at work around us. God is at work within us. And our lives are meant to be surrendered to Jesus. And that's when we begin to experience God's comfort is through his conviction and realizing that there's a way back to him. Second of all, why do we have the Holy Spirit? To reside in us. Reside is one of those words we don't use a lot, but it's to take up residency in us. Yeah, God is, God's presence is to live in us. Listen to what he says in John chapter 14. He says, I will ask the Father, meaning God the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth, right? This testifying about who God is, who we should be. But look what he says after this. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you, you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Do you hear the compassion of Jesus? Recognizing in these moments of struggle and hardship that God is reminding them, you will not be alone. I will be with you. You will have my power and my presence in your life. Sometimes I hear people talk about, you know, uh, Bible times or Jesus's day, and they go, man, I, I wish I would have been there when, when Jesus was alive. To see his miracles, to hear his teaching, to just be within arm's reach of Jesus, then that's when I would really follow. That's when I would really believe in Jesus. And Jesus is trying to say this, hey, hey, it's great for you to be with me. It's great for you to hear me. It's great for you to walk with me, but there's something even better. My presence in you. Think about this the spirit that hovered over creation and brought everything to life. The spirit of God begins to move on people throughout scripture and begins to empower them and transform them. But now what Jesus is talking about is the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't just automatically show up in everybody's life. 
The Holy Spirit comes into our life when we surrender our life to Jesus. When we have that conviction to recognize our sin, to believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we begin to surrender our lives to him and the Holy Spirit begins to come into our life and transform us. And Jesus is just trying to say that the Holy Spirit in you is better than Jesus beside you. I mean, think about it. Everywhere you go, everything that you do, the Holy Spirit is now a part of your life. Every word that you say, everything that you notice, every, every activity that you're a part of, the Holy Spirit, God's presence, Jesus himself is in your life, empowering you to a new way of living. So there's this big church word that we would sometimes use when we understand that when we surrender our life to Jesus, that when God begins to fill us with his Holy Spirit, he begins to work in and through us. And we would call that word sanctification. Let me just explain it to you real quick. Sanctification just simply, simply means this. It's God's presence working in and through our obedience to shape us in God's character. God convicts us and resides in us so that he can work in us and through us to lead us in a life towards obedience. The power of God is building up and working in our lives so that we can over and over, every time God asks us, say yes to whatever he wants from his will and his way to play out in our lives. And we begin to be transformed from old to new, from death to life, we now begin to live by his strength and his might so that we might become obedient followers of Jesus, living out his will for the entire world to hear the testimony of God's activity in our world through us. The third reason is, why do we have the Holy Spirit? It's to lead us to obedience. Obedience. Listen to what listen to what's said right here, right? John 14, he says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then, then Jesus goes on the next few verses and begins to explain and clarify uh, how, how he can work in their lives and how we recognize the truth when people know what God teaches through his word and lives that out. And those who rebel against it obviously are not testifying to who God is. He says this in verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you everything that I have said to you. So it's like Jesus says, hey, hey, if you haven't caught everything, if you don't quite remember everything, don't worry because the Holy Spirit's responsibility is to help remind you, to prompt you, to make sure that the things that you have learned begin to be played out in regular time in your life. Our lives should testify to the truth of God, just like the Holy Spirit does. And our lives are filled with God's presence so that God lives in us and empowers us. How does that happen? It begins to shape our everyday lives through our surrender and into obedience. Words and actions go hand in hand. 
But the power of the Holy Spirit begins to convict us when we are wrong. It empowers us when God's presence is in us, and it helps us be obedient to God's ways. And that's when we begin to experience God's comfort, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comforts us. That's what happens. When conviction impacts us, he takes residency inside of us, and we begin to live obedient lives. We begin to find the comfort that God is with us and for us and active in our lives. We begin to step away from darkness and begin to live a life of deliverance. We begin to bring forgiveness away from our failures and begin to live a new freedom in him. And we're comforted because we know that God is at work in us no matter the circumstances around us. So let me ask you for a moment. Are you in a season right now where the Holy Spirit is active in your life? I want to use an illustration to kind of walk this through a little bit because I think as a church, I've been having conversations with people and they're kind of seated in different chairs in their life right now. If the Holy Spirit is to convict us, to live in us, so that we would be obedient, then our lives become the very testimony that speak to the truth of who God is, his nature, his will, and his desire for the world around us. Now, this first chair, you'll notice, is it's just a standard dining room chair. It's not, it's not meant to be sat in a long time, but it's one that's a little bit comfortable, but it gives us great posture. We have a seat at the table. We're attentive. We're, we're, we're connected. We're ready to be a part of it. But this first chair, I think the word that I want to use for some of us is the word committed. Yeah? Uh, people who sit in this chair, they, they have an active relationship with God. Matter of fact, when COVID-19 hit, yeah, it got difficult. Yeah, it got frustrating. But you know where they turned? They turned to scripture. They turned to prayer. They began to reach out to others. They stayed engaged in their relationship with God because they were committed from the very beginning to follow after Jesus and their relationship was growing. And so even though hardship has come, they, they take comfort in the fact that even though it's difficult right now, Maybe their marriage is difficult right now. Maybe they're a small business owner that's struggling right now. Maybe they're a health professional on the front line. Maybe they're a school teacher, a parent. It doesn't matter what they are. But in this first chair, when the hardship came against them, they, they settled in because they knew that God was active in their life. Man, I hope this describes you. I hope this is where your life is today because there's great comfort in knowing that the Holy Spirit is with you if you're in this first chair. But the second chair, let me, let me talk to you about it. This, this is just an office chair, and you'll, you'll notice it's kind of on wheels. It kind of rolls around a little bit. And uh, this, this chair kind of describes somebody who has a relationship with God, but for whatever reason, things have just kind of gotten in a rut. Matter of fact, uh, depending on who you're around, uh, whether it's somebody, just your, your friends that love to have a little fun on the weekends, or whether it's around your church, church folk on the weekend, you, you tend to you tend to slide from side to side to kind of fit in wherever it need to be. I mean, you, you, you love God. Matter of fact, there was a day you gave your life to Jesus and you were on fire, but for whatever reason, the, the devotional walk isn't, isn't growing like it was. Jesus is someone that you believe in and you care for, but for whatever reason, it's just kind of gotten dry and stale. And frankly, when COVID-19 hit, it got tough to read your Bible. It got tough to pray. <laughs> it's tough getting up and even getting on the couch 
to be a part of worship. When I describe this chair, the chair two, I want to use the word compromise. Compromise. You would love to be committed, but the price it takes right now is just too exhausting. But you long for a relationship with God. You believe in the power of God, but for whatever reason, you've found yourself distant. I wonder, I wonder if God would move you to a different chair. The third chair we have is this, though. Now, this chair is so much more comfortable than the other two. It's not intended to be moved around a whole lot. Matter of fact, oftentimes you can recline it or kick up your feet on an ottoman or something, but it's intended so that you can sit back and you can watch the game and enjoy everything about your life. And this chair is maybe where you find some of your friends, some of your neighbors. Maybe they're so bold to say that they don't believe in God, or maybe they had a bad experience with a, a church person, or maybe a Christian was rude to them. I mean, that does happen sometimes. Or, or maybe, maybe you're a Christ follower who just kind of, never kind of fully surrendered your life to Christ. I mean, you, you, you know some of the songs. You show up often enough to recognize people, but you, you would be what we would maybe just describe as a practical atheist. Somebody who says they believe, but the, the word of God, doesn't necessarily change your life. There's not a real difference in who you are. You kind of do whatever you want. You show up whenever you need to. Whatever it is, this third chair, I, I would use the word complacent. Complacent. You know, this is not where God wants you to be. And maybe if you're a person who just says, I have no relationship with God, I want nothing to do with God, I want to challenge you for a moment. What is it in your life that has pushed God away? Is Is it just something that you've read or studied? Is it something that you've seen in Christians that you've disliked? What I need you to know is those of us that have found ourself to be enough, there comes moments in time where we, we recognize that there are longings for something greater, for someone greater. And that one is oftentimes Jesus. As a church, we work really hard to make sure that people know this is a safe place to journey with your questions and your doubts. But my guess is you've stepped in to listen about this message about the Holy Spirit for whatever reason. Maybe you were bored. Maybe you were looking for some other TV show. Maybe you just said, I'll give it a chance. But if you are honest with yourself right now, you don't want to be complacent. You want to be able to respond to make a move. See, if the Holy Spirit is about convicting us so that he might live in us to transform us, to ultimately lead us to a life of obedience, every chair has a responsibility right now. If you're in chair one and you're committed, I want to encourage you to remain faithful. Remain faithful to the calling that God's put on your life, to be in his word, to love those around you. Whether they're your friends or they're your enemies, somebody who supports you or has been against you, remain faithful. Live a life of love, knowing that God is empowering you and transforming you for his glory and his likeness so that the world might know him through you. 
If your life's been a a bit of compromise through this COVID-19, one day you're just out living for yourself, the next day you're wishing God would do something great, I want to encourage you to to do something today that is kind of a church word. It's not intended to be offensive, but I want to challenge you to repent. Repentance literally means that we need to turn the direction of our lives and you don't need to just stay bouncing back and forth, tossed back and forth in your life. There is a clear direction and purpose that God wants to have in you and it starts with accepting his will for your life and beginning to be obedient even in the little things and God will grow you to some of the greater things. But it starts with being the person that would repent from the direction of self and turn back into the direction of God's spirit. Would you take that step? But what about if you're in the third chair? Life is difficult and maybe you're even sitting at this point just saying, "Um, hey, nice talk, nice challenge. Hey, that was clever what you did with the chairs. I want to soften your heart for for just a moment. I I want to encourage you just to take a deep breath. Because though you may be complacent today, though a wound may have hardened your heart, though a Christian might have calloused your view of God, well, maybe something of of your education or background has just said, I don't need God. I I want to encourage you today to open your mind and your heart so that you might receive the gift that God's given you. We believe that the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the payment for our sin and life everlasting. And so we receive that gift when we begin to believe in the work of Jesus and surrender our life, repenting to follow after him and then beginning to follow in the word of understanding how the spirit will lead us back to him. I want to challenge you to text, if you will, today, the word hello. We're going to put a number up for you real quick and I I want you to use that number. Because in each one of these chairs, there may be a decision that you want to make. And maybe you are committed to the the local church and and to the the work of Jesus and being active, but you need to take a next step. Maybe it's about stepping up in your faith and taking on some leadership. Maybe it's a a next step where you just want to say, hello, I'm in chair two. And and for whatever reason, I know that God's asked me to surrender my life, but I've, I've never been baptized. I, I, I've never joined a group and joined in, in relationship with other Christians to deepen my walk and my faith before you. Or maybe it's to say hello, to say, I just need to start a conversation about God. I, I don't know where to begin. I've heard a lot of things and I've seen a lot of things. But God, hello, let me introduce myself. May we take a step today to follow in the foots of the Spirit footsteps of the spirit to know him. Let's pray. God, meet us in this moment. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you stir up in our people a desire to say yes and to respond to your work in their lives. It's in Jesus' name that we ask this. Amen. You ever... uh... You ever try to put something together without the, the directions or the instructions? You know, maybe it was a Lego set, uh, a cabinet from Ikea. I know a few, a few years ago, 
we, we got this basketball hoop for one of the churches I was working in. We, and we, we put all the pieces out on, and we, we, uh, on the ground. We laid them out. We said, we played basketball. How hard could this be? And so we started putting it together. We tossed the directions aside, and, and we, we erected this basketball hoop. And then when we got to the end, there was this pole about, about six inches long, just completely missing. We couldn't figure out where it went. And we thought, man, man this is weird. This is strange, but I don't think it's necessary. I feel like we're competent basketball hoop builders. And so um, we left it there. And then about a day later, when we went to move the hoop and we, we kind of propped it down and we began to roll it and it hit this bump and it completely dislodged itself from the base. And what that reminds me of is whether it's building a basketball hoop, a Lego set, something from Ikea, directions typically aren't just for, for us, for the people trying to figure it out. Directions also rem- always remind me that there was a creator who had an intent for every piece, for every part to find in its place. For the message that we just heard, you might be thinking, well, what does that have to do with the Holy Spirit? What does that have to do with where I may or may not be in my walk with Jesus? And it's simply this, is that God had an intent, a design, a creation to live in a right relationship with you. The question is, do you believe in the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus to be made right with God, to receive the power of the Holy Spirit? You see, see right now you might be wrestling with, you might be feeling that conviction that Danny talked about, that something is stirring in you. There's something that's saying inside of you. I've always wondered why. I've always been curious why there's that conscious or that, that thing that just seems a little bit off, a little bit different. Could it be that the one who created the directions, the instructions, the intent for our lives is trying to get your intentions, trying to say, hey, Perhaps something's just not quite where it needs to be. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, he says this as he's describing the gospel message, but what that gospel does to each and every one of us who believes in the work of Christ. Galatians chapter 2, verses 20 and 21, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Is what Danny just talked about, through the power of the Spirit to convict us, to reside in us. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And then in just two verses later, in chapter three, verse two, Paul says, I would just like to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard. I want to ask you that question one simple time. Did you believe what you just heard? Did you believe in that truth? Did you believe that we have a God who loves you, a spirit that wants to empower you, but a spirit that first wants to provide you the truth of that good news and the conviction of your sin so you can believe not in the works of yourself, not the works of the law, but in the work of Jesus. During this moment of response for our service, we encourage you to respond in a few different ways. The first way you can respond is by giving back to the church. 
whether it's through our COVID relief or just being generous along with our church. You can find out more on our website or by downloading the Give app, G-Y-V-E, to find out more. But more importantly, we want to invite you to respond through that work of Jesus, through his body broken for you and his blood shed for you on the cross. So if you have your communion elements, you can grab those right now, whether that's some juice and a cracker or whether it's a cookie and some water, we invite you to remember the work of Jesus, that work that we believe that gives us the power of the Spirit. On the last night, Jesus took his body, his bread and said, this is my body, take and eat. And he took the cup and he said, this is my blood, take and drink. Do this in remembrance of me. Will you continue to respond to the word of God with us this morning?